It's All Relative with Susan Bradley, an original podcast series from News Talk. Welcome to It's All Relative. I'm delighted to be back in studio for a second series. Series one was a really unique experience for me, especially after COVID and the world literally going into a global lockdown. I was so lucky in series one to have met some brilliant people who shared their stories with me. The highs, the lows, from the hilariously crazy to the mundane daily life. But most of all, the honesty that came from being part of a family. Today, my guest is a sibling of a well-known female golfer across the global stage. She herself is a phenomenal golfer, as well as being the identical twin sister of this person. Today, I'm speaking to Lisa Maguire, twin sister of Leona, currently ranked 19th in the world. Lisa's on standby here, but before I do, allow me to give you a quick snapshot of some of their accolades. Twin girls born in November 1994 in County Cavan, both professional golfers until sister Lisa retired from the professional game in 2019. Sport was always part of their lives, more about this later. But throughout adolescence and teenage years and beyond that, they both continued well through the ranks in golf. Lisa, under 12 champion when they were 11, Leona came third. A year later, Leona won the Hermitage Scratch-Up, while Lisa came third in the Irish Close in Lahinch. Both competitions were open to adults, and yet both girls left everybody behind. In 2008, Leona beat Lisa in the final of the Irish Women's, and then in the same year, Lisa beat Leona in the final of the Irish Girls. Natives of Ballyconnell in County Cavan, they both have had flourishing careers. And to top it off, just this February gone, Leona made history by becoming the first Irish woman to win an event on the LPGA Tour. I could go on and on with all the accolades, but this is all about family, being Lisa and her story. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I have to apologise all the time for calling you Leona. I'm sure you get that all the time, do you? It does. It happens quite often, but I think we've got used to it now at this stage. If we weren't used to it at this stage, there'd probably be something wrong. But uh, no, all good. No, and look, I, I'm so delighted that you have joined this series too for us. I'm really looking forward to having a chat. I suppose let's start at the beginning. Um talking about what it was like growing up in the Maguire household in Ballyconnell. Your your folks are Declan and Breda, right? They are, yep. And they then we and we have three kids. So it's yourself, Leona and Oren. That's it, yep. Just the five of us. Just the five, yep. like myself. <laughs> um, Lisa, you were born first? I was, yep. Okay. Yep. And Leona made her entrance 15 minutes later. She did indeed, yep. <laughs> Did your mum know she was expecting twins? She did know it was twins, yeah. I think she thought maybe there was a boy and a girl. I don't think she knew that it was two girls. Um, But no, she did know it was twins, yeah. So what was it like growing up? You know, what was the childhood? Can you kind of give us a a picture of growing up in Ballyconnell? Um, Yes, it was was very normal. Um, I suppose there's, there's six years maybe between myself and Leona and then Oran came along six years later. So I suppose for a long time, myself and Leona felt like only children, but not only children, because yeah. we always had each other. Um, and I suppose that's always something Oran always jokes about too, when we are all together at home, that he um, 
he felt like he was missing out because he didn't have a twin. Um, yeah. He was kind of the the single of the family. Um, but no, it was we had a very normal normal childhood. Um, sport was obviously massive in the house. Dad was a big sports fan, and kind was of growing he, yeah. up, we did everything kind of that involved around sport, whether that was football, swimming, and then in later years, golf. So um, no, that was definitely a big focal part. Well, of the family kind of did, anything that was going on we were at it yeah like, like ourselves actually we're similar in that it's girl girl boy when Oren came along it was like oh boy yay you know Brian was our little baby brother I presume yourself and Leona slightly dote on him or if he's listening to this back he'll be kind of rolling his eyes with the six years of the difference <laughs> are you all close now oh yeah very much so no that was kind of um I suppose that was the hard thing when we kind of moved off to college in America. He was kind of, he was kind of left. He was only maybe starting secondary school at the time. Mm. Um, so he kind of did feel like he was an only child for those couple of years that we were away. But no, it's, um, no, we all get on really well. And, you know, he's, we'd always ring him all the time and he'd be the first person we'd ring if he needs help or need advice and vice versa. So um, yeah. no, no, we're all very lucky that we all get on extremely well and keep in contact. That's Even though now at this point we're, we're kind of scattered all around the place. Um, I know. But still nice that we have those links you know for sure we'll, we'll go back continuing just uh, in the childhood side of things I I my daughter who's nine has Jackie Hurley's girl place play too and Very there's odd, obviously yeah. I love the book um so I was reading up about obviously yourselves I believe did you break your arm when you were nine and your doctor suggested taking up a sport to improve the swing of your shoulder is that correct? Yeah. So again, we were kind of playing everything and Anthony kind of growing up and golf probably hadn't, golf wasn't even on the radar at that point. Dad, you know, played locally at Sleeve Russell, just kind of casual golf or whatever. And um, no, it was actually, it was kind of strange the way it happened. There was one evening, I think we were after playing a football match and we'd been playing and dad goes to the playground. There was a lovely new playground built uh, kind of around the corner from our house. So we went there with some friends and, you know, as kids are ripping and tearing around the place and I tripped and fell and broke my elbow. Okay. Um, so obviously that was kind of, you know, sport was kind of out of action for the summertime. Yeah. Um, and it was my right arm and I am left-handed. So I kind of, you know, just ended up carrying it for a couple of weeks and just kind of not using it. And the specialist that I went to and dad came with me and he said, you know, it's getting stiff. You're going to lose a little bit of range of motion in that now if you don't start moving it. Um, So he suggested tennis. And dad, when dad heard tennis, he (laughs) said, oh, golf. Um, Your dad played, obviously, yeah. He played and he was, he I think maybe at the time he'd probably bought us like a few little junior clubs and he'd kind of been at us, you know, oh, come play, come play. And we'd be kind of like, ah, no, we'll, we'll go play football, we'll go swimming, we'll go do something else. And that was kind of, you know, a golden opportunity in his eyes to kind of be like, you know what, we'll give this a good go and see see what you think. And did you immediately, you obviously both completely took to it because I believe you picked up the sport and Leona said, oh, well, I don't want Lisa on her own. So she took it up as well. Is that right? Well, we kind of we did everything together kind of okay. growing up. It was kind of a package deal. Like if I went somewhere, Leona came with me and vice versa. So um uh I think in in that respect it was kind of like if dad was like Lisa, I'm bringing Lisa up to the course, Leona kind of was tagging along anyway. Yeah. Um but no, it, it definitely wasn't it wasn't immediate, I suppose. I think it, I'm gonna say it was at the start of the summer, maybe, and it was definitely hard work in the beginning. You know, golf is not something maybe you pick up, you know, in a day or two. There was definitely some 
frustration and probably a lack of patience there in the beginning. But um, to be fair to Dad, no, he was he was very patient with us and kind of stuck. We stuck with it and kind of kept going with it. And I suppose by the end of the summer, we were starting to see some improvement and kind of seeing, you know, where there could be enjoyment out of spending, you know, all day out in the sunshine playing playing mm. this game. So it kind of it definitely evolved, but um, it wasn't you know overnight at the same time. Yeah, because you were nine or ten years of age, so it was really all about enjoyment and getting out in the sun and being out in the fresh air. When did your dad or yourselves realise that there was a real talent there? What I find in this podcast, talking to siblings and obviously yourself too, Lisa, because you were a professional, not only is there this unbelievable talent, but there's this unreal discipline and drive. Did that come through in the early days or did that come later? That's probably the thing that was probably evident from kind of the, the outset and probably why we progressed so quickly, you know, um, I suppose. And that's a tribute to mom and dad. Kind of they, they brought us up, whether it was they're both teachers. So it came with school, I suppose, first and sport as well was was part and parcel. That, uh, and then that was done. It was done right and it was done properly. And, mm. you know, there was a there was a good sense of discipline about it. So, um, no, I suppose that, that was the thing when dad said when we'd start, you know, he he got us a few lessons and we kind of stuck at it and he was kind of very big on, you know, getting the fundamentals right and kind of, you know, not messing about it at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um. So I suppose that that was probably one of the reasons why we did uh, kind of progress quickly. You know, we started, you know, with the intention, not with the intention, obviously, of making it professionally at that stage, but, you know, that you were going to, you're going to give it you know, Your good own. attention while you were up there. Yeah, exactly. That you weren't just there to kind of, you know, doss about. Because you, you, both of you were forces of nature as you kind of in your early development years in the amateur level. Like it, it, you pretty much skyrocketed, didn't you, onto the amateur circuit? I remember meeting you both. I think you were age 12 or 13 in Port Marnock. I was doing an event out there and, you know, it was kind of the talk of the club. Um, You guys happened to be there on the day. Was it very fast that you suddenly started to win all around you once you started on the amateur circuit? Kind of looking back on it, um, it probably it probably it was it was was quite quickly. Yeah, I suppose we represented Ireland at twelve, and that was kind of unheard of at that time. But I suppose what we, you know, we we probably didn't look at it that way. You know, there was in our eyes there was just kind of the two of us, and I suppose that was the nice thing about having the two of us with golf being such an individual sport. You know, we had each other to kind of spur each you know, to spur each other on, to motivate each other, to practice with each other, where a lot of other people probably only had themselves, you know, yeah. and golf is, as an individual sport, is a lonely game that way, whereas at least we always had that kind of built-in sense of company, you know, that you weren't going up to the golf course by yourself. And, you know, we always had had that kind of um, built-in partner there. So I suppose in the, definitely in the early years, we weren't, necessarily looking at it as competing against everybody else around the country we were kind of just you know we were our own um biggest competitor yeah. but our own biggest supporter at the same time so um and and I suppose that was one thing that kind of mom and dad always reiterated to us kind of as we were traveling around the country playing and kind of moving up through the levels dad always said you know even if it was coming down to the two of us that we played a couple of times each other in the finals and you know that was always the advice and kind of resonating thoughts that dad left us with before we went out he was like you know you have two chances to win every time you go out. Everybody else only has one. So as long as, you know, mm. um, 
the trophy's coming home in our car. <laughs> it's coming home in our car. You know what I mean? There was no. Yes, we were fiercely competitive on the golf course, but it was it was kind of quickly forgotten on the way home. You know, because I I had that down as like competitive versus mutual support. How did you work it out? But you've pretty eloquently explained that to us. You, you just were delighted for the other person if they actually brought home the silverware. Like at the time, obviously, it mightn't have been instantaneously again. It After was taking an hour yeah. or two up the road <laughs> um, before the kind of the congrats kicked in, you know. But um, no, I, I that was that was always the way we looked at. It. And and then again, when we started traveling with Irish teams or um, stuff like that, we always played. You know, if there was a, a foursomes or something like that, we always played together, um, and that was always kind of nice too. So there was definitely that that sense of support was kind of always there down for the years. And um, it was definitely one of the reasons why we're seen probably to have an advantage over other people that maybe didn't have that sort of kind of support built in. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, looking at all the reasons, when I was doing my research, looking at all the accolades and achievements you guys have won, like it, we'd be here forever going through them. But something that struck me in the early days, one competition you would win, next competition Leona would win and so on and so forth. So it's it was very much on par, wasn't it, throughout the amateur game? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it was definitely tit for tat. And I yeah. suppose that, that was the kind of the thing, you know, if I won, I think there was one year, maybe this, I think Leona beat me in the final of the Irish Women's Close um, over in Westport. And then later this summer, I won the girls close and beat her in the finals. So there was definitely a lot of that. Anytime she won something, I'd always be determined to go home <laughs> and practice that little bit harder so I'd get her next time. And without it being any sort of kind of like, um, there was nothing malicious or nothing of, of any sort of that nature behind it. It was just, it was a, it was a sibling rivalry kind of at its finest, you know. I think it's, it, it sounds just like such a unique sibling competitiveness slash support system for one another. It's, it's, phenomenal to hear and I think it goes back to your your mum and dad support and how they kind of brought you up it was I fully understand you saying if you came second you wouldn't be high-fiving your sister for the first couple of hours but at the same time you'd very quickly come back to use that drive to win the next uh, competition whatever it was. That was absolutely it a lot of people have asked me even down through the years and probably more recently, did we ever get jealous of each other? And I suppose that was never something that kind of crossed our radar. Yes, you know, you'd want to win. But at the same time, you know, um, it, it was more important that kind of we supported each other and we were happy for each other. Um, if, if you didn't win, it wasn't kind of win at all costs, you know. And then if yeah. you weren't, if you didn't win, you kind of, there was no, it was silence then for the rest of, however long until the next <laughs> tournament you know um, it was still very much in our favour to kind of spur each other on and, and the better we did the better one twin did versus the other twin it, it definitely it helped us improve and it was definitely um, it was something that a lot of people didn't have and we probably didn't appreciate it fully at the time I suppose but it's it's where kind of when you look back on it and you kind of see it yeah. um, for what it, it was it was definitely um, definitely a contributing factor and you obviously all did this through school days how did you guys balance the school side of things versus your amateur careers Again, looking back at it, I'm trying to even think back of what it looked like, I suppose. Um, kind of, we started playing golf probably towards the end, it had to be the end of kind of primary school. Um, we were in, the mom and dad both teach, we were in dad's kind of primary school to the towards the end of, in a fourth, fifth, sixth class. And I remember even in the evenings, like, 
you know, you got your homework done, you got everything you needed to do that way. And he'd bring us to the driving range in the evening and you kind of hit balls, you know, on the floodlit driving range kind of until it was dark. And then you kind of go home um, and kind of repeat it again. And then at the weekends, obviously, you could, you could play away. And that kind of continued, I suppose, into secondary school. Then when we started taking it more seriously in secondary school, I suppose the morning routines kicked in. You know, you'd get up and whether it was gym work or vice versa, we used to hit balls up into the, we had a field up the back and we used to hit balls from the back garden up into the field at the back in the morning. Um, Before you know, school. Off, off wooden paddle, pallets, dad would put a floodlight in and we used to hit balls from wooden pallets up into the into the backfield before school and then come home, get all your work done and kind of, whether if there was enough light, go up to the golf course or kind of sometimes hit, hit balls from the... From the wooden pallets outside the back door up into the backfield again so you kind of you just kind of made it work yeah and then to be fair the teachers were very flexible with us when we started traveling a little bit more internationally and um, if we were gone for a week here and had gone for a week there they were very good to kind of catch us up um, and make sure we kind of kept on top of things but um mom and dad always kind of made sure the school was definitely the priority mm. um, and once you were kind of keeping everything on track in school that um, then golf was kind of was secondary but at the same time um, we were giving full attention to golf sure. golf too at the same time yeah where, where did Oren come into this with is it Oren or am I pronouncing his name right <laughs> there's so many different pronunciations <laughs> of it um, we call him Oren yeah Oren um, did, yeah. He, did he play with you I mean I'm I'm, I'm conscious yeah. he's six years younger but like was he you know part of the scene uh, yeah, I suppose. And that's the funny thing now, I suppose, when we were kind of playing up through kind of the middle of our teenage years, he used to come everywhere and he was kind of the little toddler that was running around with mom with a golf club <laughs> in his hand, you know, hitting a few balls wherever he could. And I suppose it's funny now whenever we meet uh, some of the girls that would have played with us back in those days, you know, they remember Oran as yeah. kind of the little four, five, six year old that was kind of running around after mom. And now he's he's 20 and has a beard and looks <laughs> totally different so um yeah no that just goes to show you I suppose that that tells you how long ago it is now at this stage but um no he was still he used to come everywhere with us he'd, he'd go to the tournaments abroad and again he'd, he'd do what he can he used to caddy for Leon every once in a while if when he got a little bit taller when he was seven or eight maybe I remember ah. him playing him him looking to caddy and you know he always had a fierce interest and um you know, he still, he still play, very much plays himself and he played on Irish scenes as well. So, um, he, yeah. no, golf has been, uh, apart from, mom's the only one who's never kind of put her hand to it, but uh, the rest of us would uh, would definitely be still very competitive and uh, still have a fierce interest. That's that's something that comes up over and over, the the drive and the competitiveness within family. But certain that something that resonates with me is that looking back on your careers, you know, it's very much a family affair where you remember the good times, the bad times, you were all kind of there together. And that's very special. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is to have chats with people who are in families who've gone on to achieve great things that ultimately it kind of comes down to sharing those moments with family, right? When you look down to the years that, you know, um, even Ireland's greatest sports sports people, you kind of, when you break it down and you kind of analyse why they've been so successful, it's it's largely attributable to the, you know, the strong support structure they have in place and whether that's growing up or throughout their career and, you know, even after they retire too. So, um, no, that's definitely a huge part, I suppose. No one person can succeed by themselves. You know, it really does take a village. And, um, mm. no, both myself and Leona were incredibly lucky to have all sorts of support from mom and dad and Oran kind of down through the years. And and that's no different now when Leona's kind of out on tour. We kind of support her from afar, from a, a large point. 
now, sure, but yeah. um, still doing, you know, all we can to make sure she can kind of achieve what she can on the golf course and make make her life a little bit easier off the golf course. And if we move on to college years, you both went to Duke on scholarship in the US. Um, did Leona do psychology and yourself marketing management? Have I got that right? No, so we actually did both. No, it was kind of, it was a nice overlap, um, I suppose, we were a little bit restricted on what we could take with the golf schedules. Yeah. Um, but that that kind of, the combination of both of those kind of worked in well with our schedules and it was kind of a nice overlap. Um, four years at Duke, it was it was a really good four years, I suppose. It was, from a golfing point of view, there was there was no other, well, I suppose the pathway after you kind of did your leaving cert, it was either turn pro there and then uh, or kind of go down the college route Um in the US if you wanted to still yeah. kind of com- continue to play professionally so that was definitely something we were we were very much open to and uh, yeah no it was great it, it was kind of uh, you know it was a new kind of experience of you know still still being able to play kind of all year round um, kind yeah. of being able to use facilities and have the weather and um, access to all sorts of all sorts of different things while still kind of keeping the school ticking over. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely, it was a good four years. Were you, sure. were you able to let the hair down a bit in your college years? I'm not suggesting like us normal <laughs> mere mortals to go to a few parties and stuff, or was it very disciplined and hard graft and nutrition and drive and training and so on? Ah, no, I mean, I mean, a college experience is a college <laughs> experience. So, um, no, there was there was a mixture of everything. And I suppose that was the one nice thing about college in the US. Um, there was kind of a time and a place for everything. Um, there with, was with the parents the school, at home. And then there was the sport and then there was everything else that kind of went on in the background, too. So it was kind of nice. You were kind of it was nice in the fact Duke was small. It was only five and a half thousand, six thousand students. So, um, you know, we we got to know everybody and kind of different to the kind of Irish system people didn't really go home at weekends and a lot of our friends were athletes as well so yeah. we kind of all had our um our, our own little crew and we kind of hung out with each other's teams and stuff like that and there was always something going on whether that was kind of outside sport or kind of we went to each other's matches and kind of support each other that way and basketball was obviously huge so mm. um I, I we heard, went to games like that and was it Grayson Allen was in your class Grayson Allen was in our class yeah no we took a good few classes with Grayson and um yeah no it was just it was it was a cool experience this was um and for people that were kind of mad into sport it was just people the kind dream. of asked what it was like was it like the movies it's absolutely like the movies in certain ways <laughs> um and uh yeah no it was just it was something definitely wouldn't regret doing anyway are you still pals with some of the people who've gone on to phenomenal heights and oh yeah no definitely and kind of we've been back a couple of times and we're actually now going back um, the end of May, we're kind of going back for a week and we always try and catch up with people people down there. And, you know, that's the kind of the nice thing. Once there's this that sense when you graduate from American colleges or even attend college over in America for a couple of years, you know, there's that kind of bond through the, not through the alumni, but being like a, a Duke grad or wherever you went to college, there's definitely that association and you find people no matter where you are um, yeah. kind of across the US and kind of further afield we definitely always try and kind of keep those keep those connections and kind of meet up when they, even when we're in different cities um, kind of across the US So I suppose with the golf side of things obviously there was a real focus on you know honing in on your craft for the four years give us a kind of a, can you give us a brief synopsis of the four year spell there I know you, you both went on to do huge things during that time take us through those years first year was 
definitely probably an adjustment I suppose it was again for the first time myself and the owner living away from home kind of traveling half halfway across the world you know to live by yourself and be independent and all the rest so there was definitely a settling in period from there Leona kind of hit the ground running definitely from a golf point of view pretty much straight away and even maybe by the springtime I think she'd started to to win and and, and do well and I suppose from a golf point of view I probably struggled a little bit more um to find my feet and kind of ended up going through swing changes and all the rest and um but yeah no golf definitely from a golf perspective it was it was the best thing that Leona did in her career yeah. um, and definitely set her up to kind of you know thrive on a, a professional stage out in the US and kind of got her used to you know what golf is like out there and what it's like to play play golf on different courses different grasses a different sort of climate um so it's definitely it was great preparation in that respect what was it like for you? Like, was it frustrating when something didn't work out for you? I know, I believe you just mentioned it there. Your, I, was it your coach asked you to remodel your your swing in order to make it onto the LPGA tour? Um, and when that wasn't going ahead, like, how did you deal with that when you saw your sister, you know, improving week by week um, on the circuit? going through some any sort of technical change or whether it's you know someone else going through an injury or something like that and then that kind of has a drastic change kind of on the trajectory of your career is definitely it's tough um, and it was there was a lot of a tough sessions and a lot of tough weeks and you know a lot of frustration but um I suppose I kind of still for a long time kind of held on to the the mentality that you know I needed to do this in order to achieve whatever yeah. um and that it was a necessary kind of um you know path it just it it didn't really work out it, but in hindsight I don't know whether it was a good decision or a bad decision to kind of do it whether it was necessary or unnecessary either way um but you know it, it kind of I still wouldn't wouldn't change the experience I still learned so much from the experience mm. and I suppose it probably taught me a lot more life lessons and taught me a lot you know a bit more about myself than I probably knew beforehand going over there and um you know <laughs> Uh, obviously golf professional golf wasn't meant to be for me but um, at the same time you know I've come across a lot of people even down through the years that have maybe played professional golf for a little while and then kind of walked away from it and ended up kind of you know resenting the game yeah. Um, I always told myself you know I'd never I'd never let myself get to that point if if I got to a point where maybe I wasn't enjoying it as much or I didn't see it as being a, a successful career path for myself that I I would walk away Um, and you know it, it did get to that point and it, you know, I was happy with my decision at the time. I still am, um, you know, and and that was the thing for me. Golf has been so good to me, to Leona, to our family. Down to the years, I still, you know, have a great interest in it. I'll help Leona in whatever way I can, and that way, I still enjoy going out to play golf. But it's mm. just not in a professional, money earning capacity. Yeah. I suppose more than anything else. You have such a an inspiring uh, viewpoint of how golf has been so good to your family and how you've decided how you decided to retire um to pursue another career you retired in 2019 didn't you I did yeah yeah no it was end of 2019 yep how let's talk about that for a sec how was that for both you and Leona I suppose you in the sense I, I understand certainly um in my experience working with Brian when a professional athlete retires, there's that period of transition that just, you have to walk the road to kind of figure mm-hmm. out 
who you are, what you're doing, where you're going and so on. Obviously, you can preempt some of those things when you know you're going to retire. But ultimately, don't you have to do it yourself? How was that for you? I suppose for me, it was kind of something that maybe I'd I'd probably been thinking about myself. I'd probably never said it to anyone. I'd never even said it at home here. But I suppose, you know, when things were getting a little bit tough on the golf course and I kind of, you know, when you're traveling across Europe and traveling across the US by yourself, even a lot of lonely nights in, in hotel rooms and in airports where it does give you time to think. And I suppose, you know, where I when I'd come to that sort of realization, I think it was maybe the end of August, start of September of 2019, you know, when I I kind of made my my decision and made my peace with it that it was time to kind of step away and I suppose that was the nice thing I still like I said before I didn't resent the game I didn't mm. hate the game I didn't want to be you know a million miles away from it kind of when I when I'd said that and I'd said it here at home that I was kind of what I was thinking about and I'd said it to to Mark McDonald that worked for Modest Golf Air, who was our management company at the time I'd said you know I don't think it's working out. I think it, you know, it's probably time maybe just to take a step back from this. And it was kind of then that he was like, well, would you be interested, you know, in in kind of going down the management side of things, you know, still being involved in the game, kind of looking after people in the same way that you would have been looked after down through the years. Yeah. And I suppose for me, that was kind of a nice transition. Um, sure. It didn't feel like I was a million miles away. I was still seeing the same people day in, day out. Yes, it was just inside the ropes versus, or being outside the ropes versus inside the ropes, but it didn't feel as if, you know, my world had kind of completely fell apart or been completely transformed. I wasn't going in to sit at a desk job from nine to five. Um, every day so for me that was kind of that probably eased the transition a little bit more for me than maybe yeah. some people and um, the fact that it wasn't it wasn't uh, a polar opposite and I kind of I did I did that for the rest of 2019 traveled with Leona mostly um, across Europe and and tried the US and then uh, into 2020 again the same thing until COVID hit sure. um, and then I think we were after coming back from Australia we we're sent maybe a month down in Australia when kind of things ground to a, a quick halt. halt and um things like that to give you time to kind of reevaluate where you are and kind of assess where you are and then and it's probably times like that when everything's not just moving from one week to one week that you can kind of t- sit down and kind of reflect and kind of see where you are and, and what you want to do moving forward and I am taking it that you're very happy with the decision you made, particularly, as you said, with the two years of COVID giving you the time to reflect. You're also, you were telling me you're studying dentistry. You're in UCC and finalising your second year. Rewind back to probably leaving certain times, I suppose. They were the kind of the two options that I had in my head. It was either, you know, stay here, go to college, do dentistry or go to the US and play golf and obviously chose to go to the US <laughs> and play golf. So that was kind of something that I always had in the back of my mind that I would like to do. Um, obviously, sport, like, as you know, um, yourself, you know, it's not a career necessarily maybe for life. Mm. Um, you know, there will be something else after your playing days are over. Um, so that was kind of something I'd always had in the back of my mind. And I suppose when kind of COVID hit and we were kind of sitting here at home and the things that I like to travel and play golf, they were the things that COVID, you know, that was nothing was happening. There was literally nowhere to go, yeah. nothing to do. Yeah. And I suppose it gave me time to be like, you know, is is working in that kind of sort of capacity what I want to do for the rest of my life in as a full term kind of uh, a job. And I suppose it was kind of, out of the blue a little bit I kind of forgotten that I'd probably put in the application I think I'd probably put the application in I don't know when before Christmas maybe and mm. kind of forgotten about it just kind of had it sitting there 
um, just kind of in the back. And the, the kind of email came through with the interview for UCC. And I was like, you know what? I kind of, I kind of hemmed and hawed whether I do it, whether I wouldn't do it. Um, and I suppose that was the nice thing, you know, with COVID. I was kind of like, well, sure, I'm not that much else at the minute. I, I can put a bit of work into this and kind of see how it, how it goes. And I did the interview and then I felt myself, the effort that I put into the interview, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I did want it. And, yeah. you know, when you're kind of waiting for the result to know, did I get it? Did I not get it? You know, and that you'd be disappointed if you didn't get it. Um, I suppose that was kind of the real the realization for me is yeah you know I do want this really I'm ready do. to do this and um, yeah I know started started September of 20, 2020 yeah it was all online for the first year I suppose which was kind of nice for me it was an unusual college experience I suppose but kind of nice for me to be able to get back into the the study side of things. You're, you're some woman because the majority <laughs> of us all learned how to make banana bread. And you embarked <laughs> on a dentistry career, as well yeah. as pursuing a career in golf management with um, yeah. with Modest Golf. Like, it, it's clear yeah. that your your drive and determination and your approach to everything is, I don't know, unique to you, but hugely successful. Um, so you've got two more years in dentistry, have you? I've got three more years. Three. It's five years. Okay. Yeah, it's five three. more years. So yeah, so, so that's, I suppose for me, it's kind of nice at the minute, you know, still work part-time at Modest Golf and that's yeah. what I'll spend my summer doing now in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully. Um, so it's kind of, it's nice for me, you know, I guess I get to do something that I find kind of academically challenging for me in that respect. But at the same time, I still have my my golf links and I'm still, mm. you know, at the end of the laptop and at the end of the phone kind of supporting Leona mostly and whatever, whatever she needs. And um, I think it's that's kind of nice. Um you know, that that link is kind of still there. We're still incredibly close and, you know, I love doing anything I can do to support her and, you know, being out at events like the Solheim Cup last year. You know, it's just incredible to still be part of those sort of things. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world either. Absolutely. And I suppose given given the trust between you both, you just can't put a price on that. Um, with the way you can read the game, the way you have been involved with the commercial side of things, are you... Uh, uh, I suppose a, another set of eyes and ears for the team and do you kind of keep in touch with Leona very closely in terms of what you think is the best deals for her are you more hands-on with Leona out there for example when she won the LPGA um, just back in February which kind of approach do you take with it? Um, I suppose I'm probably a mixture of both. It probably depends. You know, I'm kind of a nice buffer, I suppose, between things that necessarily don't reach as far as Leona. Um, and then at the same time, still being involved very much kind of on her corporate side of things and her kind of day to day running of things. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a nice link, you know, mm. um, ultimately I'd see my role as, you know, doing whatever I can and whatever sort of capacity to make sure that she has nothing to worry about when she's on the golf course. Um, and a lot of things, you know, whether there's small decisions to be made or bigger decisions to be made. The nice thing is I know so Leona so well at this stage, I normally have an answer before she gives me an answer. Right. I can predict what the answer is going to be, whether it's a yes, a no, a definitely not um, to certain things. And um, I suppose that's the kind of nice thing. And I suppose um, it, it would be difficult to probably train someone in that sort of capacity. I guess. Just it. from I, knowing, you know, yeah, you know, someone... Yeah. Um, you know, as well as that, it, it, it's uh, like you said, it's a unique relationship and something that's very hard to emulate that way Um, that I kind of know we're thinking, you know, as well as she's be thinking herself. And that's just a byproduct of spending so much time together trying through the years. Um, 
It's, but yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of nice that way. It's a huge comfort for Leona, no doubt, having you. I think as you very modestly called yourself the buffer. <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, working with Brian for the last 10 years, that trust between us is, you, you can't put a price on that. And, um, I, I you know, I can certainly... I can identify with you in terms of wanting to get the best possible, you know, outcomes for your sibling. Um, But at the same time, you've got your other balance of doing your own academic studies, too. You you really seem to have struck the balance so well in terms of, you know, keeping in with your sister and very much trying to do the best you can for her. But at the same time, you have your own life and you potentially will go on and pursue dentistry full-time I don't know do you, do you think that might be the the plan yeah no absolutely I suppose for me kind of when I did decide to kind of step away from the from the professional game that was one thing and even just talking to people that was one thing that you know I was I was happy to kind of make the clarification that I was you know Lisa a person that played golf not Lisa the golfer um sure. you know and and I was being able to kind of detach from that sort of identity as just someone that you know played professional sports you know it was okay to have other interests and it was okay to want to do other things um and you know again i've three more years left to do a dentistry i'll I'll continue the golf links for as long as i can yes probably the intention in the future is to be a full-time dentist and and kind of do as much as i I can and that sort of in realm again i suppose it goes back to you know the way we were brought up anthem that i want to do i want to do it well i i want to give everything that i do 100 percent. and i suppose when it comes a time where i can't maybe give the golf side of things 100 percent. i know that that's kind of time time to step away from that sort of domain but um no for for the time being i i'm really enjoying kind of the the balance of both and um, you know i get up each morning kind of no two days are the same i yeah. never know what i'm going to expect what's going to come in through email or what what sort of phone calls i'm going to have and then you know i go to my lectures i go to the, the clinics in the hospital i do all i need to do in that respect and you know i can still get a phone call from leona at half two needing to change something or book something or um you know just wanting general advice or something so literally no no two days are the same and i suppose that's kind of the nice thing that um you know that that keeps me wanting to kind of do it and keeps that sort of interest there that I never you know again I'm not like I said I'm not someone that's going to sit at a desk from nine to five yeah. so that sort of variety and that sort of kind of unpredictability is kind of that's right the up drive. My and do you reckon you'll, you'll stay put in Cavan do you think you'll go elsewhere I have no idea. Like, I suppose that's that's the great thing. And that's something I, I'm very grateful to golf for. You know, golf has taken us all over the world. And I do love to travel. You know, the US was home for five years. I still really enjoy going back there. Really enjoyed my time down in Australia. You know, I, I'm not committed to, to Cavan specifically. <laughs> yes, I always love coming home. It's great to be home and great to, to kind of be around the community here. But um, no, definitely I'd be open to kind of going anywhere in the world. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, look, I've really enjoyed having a chat with you today. Thank you so much for sharing all the anecdotes and congrats on all that you're doing. You just seem to be nailing it in life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. You are. Giving it my best. That's all we can do. You're giving it your best. You're living your life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. Thanks very much, Susan. It's all relative with Susan Bradley. An original podcast series from News Talk. From News-